Hello, Thomas. Uh, hi, Raphael. Thanks, Thomas, uh, for having me. Uh, this is my first episode of uh, Asia Sesame in English, actually. I've been doing this post podcast in French for a while. Uh, so very excited to do this in English. And we're in, we're in Taiwan. It's also my first episode live in Taiwan. I'm testing my new microphone with you. So <laughs> really excited. But uh, hello, Thomas uh, Cooper. You're the general manager of uh, Gendi here in Taiwan. Uh, you cover actually the whole Asia from uh, from Taiwan. And Gendi is a French company. You're you being German yourself, a French company that uh, you're a specialist of uh, domain names and uh, you also offer internet hosting. Correct. Yeah. But uh, yeah, to get started, uh, Thomas, could you please introduce yourself and explain with your own words what is Gendi? Uh, all right. So I I've been in Taiwan since since 15 years already. So it's quite a long time. Uh, before that, I lived in Paris for five years, so I'm, I'm quite familiar with the French people as well. And uh, Gandhi has been in Asia since uh, seven years now. And Gandhi itself is over 20 years old. So uh, we have been doing domain names since a very long time. We have been a registrar. We were among the first uh, ICANN-accredited registrars since uh, since the beginning of, of, of the sale of domain names. So uh, we have been offering .com and .net since, since the very early beginning Uh, when domain names started to be sold. And uh, at that time, the company was completely different than it is today. At that time, it was just a few people, uh, a bunch of internet nerds in France who started the company. And now we are a real company which has offices in four uh, countries and uh, more than 150 people who work on the product and, uh, and the daily customer support. Mm -hmm. All right, so do domain names. So basically, mm -hmm. that's, you know, like your, your .com. That's, yeah. that's what you do. Like uh, when you start a new company, The first thing is, you know, you need to find a name for your company. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. quite often you want to get the .com Correct, and that's yeah. what we call domain names. Yeah. Even, after, even after 20 years, even after the .com boom, even after all these things, even after Facebook, Instagram, uh, domain name is still essential for every business. Mm -hmm. Still essential for every e-commerce. And uh, if, if a company doesn't take care about the domain name, even if it's just a couple of dollars to buy, uh, you will see very quickly how much they care about their domain name if it's, if it's offline. Your e-commerce doesn't work anymore. Your email doesn't work anymore. Your website doesn't work anymore. So you can't sell. So uh, domain name is much more important than people mostly realize. Mm -hmm. So, uh, And we, we often have the issue that we, need to, that we need to explain this to customers, that we need to tell them, hey, your domain names are important, also internationally, uh, if, you, if you sell in multiple countries. So, uh, yeah, it, take, it takes some time to educate this customer. That is, but that's especially what we have done in Asia for the past seven years. Okay, okay, all right. Now, that, that's super interesting, and we will get more in details in a, in a few minutes. But before that, I, I would like to understand, I mean, you, you've been in Taiwan for a while, so explain us, how did you first arrive here? Mm -hmm. And explain us how you ended up, after a few years working in Taiwan, uh, starting, you know, like the, the local uh, operations of Gendi. Yeah, so I, I came here 15 years ago because I got a job offer from a... Uh, Taiwanese company, um, company which is making ADSL routers, so modems. Uh, at that time, it was the ADSL boom. Mm -hmm. So I was working for a French ISP at that time, and they made me the offer that I can work for them as project manager. And uh, so at that time, I moved to the Sinshu Science Park, which is in which is in Taiwan as well. It's very famous. There's more than 3,000 companies there. Famous for semiconductors. Yeah, semiconductor Shinshu, and, yeah. and chipsets and so on. But nobody knows these companies mostly because they don't have their own brands. They mostly produce uh, ODM chipsets, the original device manufacturer, ODM. Uh, so nobody knows about them, but they're usually in every in every kind of product you find. Somebody makes, they make, they make the product for companies which have brands. So mm -hmm. there's more than 3,000 companies there which have uh, more than, I think, 50 billion US dollar revenue in the, in the Shinshu Science Park. Wow. And uh, so I was there for like six years. Mm -hmm. Then I moved to Taipei uh, to work for MyTech to make medical tablets. 
So tablets which are used for uh, patient safety in Europe or more for uh, efficiency in, in China. So they have different approaches. So working for, that's a local company, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's also a very big device manufacturer. And, uh, and after that, uh, I started Gandhi. Okay. Because yeah. I just, you know, like stop here once again, you know, working mm. for local companies in Asia in general, mm. but in Taiwan, I mean, Taiwan, well, like, kind of in between like China mm. and Japan in a way. So working for, you know, this kind of local companies, you know, it's kind of special for foreigners. So tell, sure, tell me sure, a bit sure. about uh, this experience first. It, it, can be, it can be very special, especially uh, they, they, are, they were not so much used uh, when I started Sinchu to have European people working there. They already had a bunch of Americans working with them. But because I took care of most of the European market for them, our European customers, like uh, Telefonica and Deutsche Telekom and Franks Telekom, mm -hmm. um, they were not so familiar that someone is uh, starting to work a bit later during the day and leaving later in the day. So because they're very procedural, very SOP in Taiwan, those big companies, um, they asked me why I always leave so late. But in the same time, they always asked me why I always arrive so late. So they, they didn't really understand that it's necessary to uh, shift the time or that you can't exactly clock in, clock out at 8.30. You, you're not doing it for fun. I mean, basically, yeah. your, your clients back in Europe were working at this time. Yeah, so you yeah, had sure, to do sure, it. Sure. But yeah, with, yeah. even this simple thing like that, that, that Correct, uh, yeah. was not that easy. Uh, so, so I was already familiar with working uh, with, with customers abroad or, or suppliers abroad. And I think that's, that also helped me when I started with Gandhi because Gandhi also is in, in the European time zone, right? So six, six to seven hours, depending mm -hmm. on summer or winter. And uh, yeah, it's, it, it can be a little bit tough sometimes if you work remote to, to keep sane, right? But uh, I think just, you just take a few days off afterwards or some days on the weekend you just, you just sleep through. So yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. It, it, can be, it can be quite hard to, to have this time zone difference. I mean, I guess us, us foreigners in Asia, I mean, we, we, you yeah. know, a, lot of, a lot of us have this experience of working sure, with sure. companies yeah. back in Europe. Yeah. And, you know, you have a first day in the morning mm -hmm. and then around like 3 or 4 p.m., you know, sure, sure, sure. people and, start, and start waking up. In, and in, in, in Europe, frankly speaking, in Europe, they don't realize that. Yeah. They just send you an email when it's already your 8 p.m. and they want something right away. So mm -hmm. uh, and they don't even realize that you maybe just finished dinner, you're already at home, you want to watch TV or something, right? So and, and they and don't realize that. people in France start working pretty late, you know, like sure, uh, sure. pushing yeah. them to start even yeah. at 9 yeah. is, is already challenging. But, sure. you know, like two time yeah. zones is not too bad, you know. Like yeah. uh, I used to have like a boss or even myself to work on three, three different time zones mm. and then it drives you crazy like... Uh, Or so even be between like the US mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and Europe, you know, when you get like 12-hour 12, 12 difference, you know, when it's like 9 p.m. for you, it's 9 a.m. for your colleagues yeah. and the other way around, that's really tough. So actually, Asia Europe is, is not too bad, actually. Yeah, it's true, true, true. I had the same problem when I was working with Telefonica in Brazil. So uh, we worked with Telefonica in Brazil also at that time when I was mm -hmm. in Shinsu. And uh, they, they are on the other side of the planet from Taiwan. Seen from Taiwan, they're really on the other side of the planet. <laughs> so uh, in the end, at one point, we just went there. So we went with a team there. We spent like, like three weeks there working with them instead of walking uh, over the phone remotely at night because it just didn't work anymore. You're, you don't have the same concentration when you work at night. You don't have the same resources available. You know? on, on mm -hmm. the, in the same time, you want to push the projects, you want to continue, so, but you, you, so you always have to be at least a certain, certain amount per day, so you have to be available at night. But I think at Gandhi, we manage it quite well now. We have, uh, certain, we have more meetings. Um, more meetings are not always the solution, right? But we have more meetings where we make decisions Mm -hmm. Not to talk about issues, but to make the decision. So it's very important to have regular meetings with a fixed time, which are comfortable for each team that that you uh, that you see over things uh, which are pending. That you that you see where the bottlenecks still are. 
And uh, yeah, but it's, it's working out very well for us. It's okay, very well okay. For us, yeah. And still about this experience working for a Taiwanese company. So what, what about management? You know, like I guess your boss was Taiwanese. Mm. I think in Taiwan, the relationship, if you work for a Taiwanese company, the, the relationship with your boss is the most important, actually. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's a, it's a person also in general that you all respect, right? So um, same with like any elder in Taiwanese culture or Chinese culture. But uh, what, that, what that means actually is that... Uh, You 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 can't treat him like it's your boss, like you would in Europe, or they 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 would they would feel ignored, or they would. Have, it's it's more of a personal relationship that you need to have with your boss in Taiwan, much more than in Europe. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think that also depends on the company size. So if you if you work for for a mega corp or a bigger corporation, you will have for sure you will have more than two managers. So so yeah, it it takes a bit of a um, different approach. But on the other hand. Uh, But the Taiwanese culture also, they, what I have, the problem I have as manager in Taiwan or the other managers I have here in Taiwan, they have the problem that the people don't give enough feedback. So compared to Europe, people mm -hmm. don't give feedback. Uh, sometimes they don't want to be involved as much. So you need to, it's, it's very hard to encourage them to come out from this culture of not sharing what they really think. Mm -hmm. so, uh, so you can give them some points sometimes. You can, what I do is uh, you just invite them for a drink or a coffee afterwards. You know, you just meet them face to face. But even then, it's, it's very hard to get them relaxed and really tell them what you think. Mm -hmm. And I think this is, uh, it, it looks like they are scared, but they're not necessarily scared. I think they just don't want to risk anything. So it's just maybe based on, on their risk approach. Mm. So. Maybe you should do it the Japanese way, you know. I've, I've had quite a few interesting uh, episodes about Japan. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, taking your colleagues out at night and having uh, a few drinks. Yeah. I guess it, it helps. Yeah. <laughs> Japan is a country where there's, there's a lot of alcoholics, right? And because of that, but... <laughs> Yeah, it's, but it's also a good good country to drink. Uh, to drink, I love drinking. Okay, so but uh, I miss Japan not only for that reason. And mm -hmm. uh, I worked with Japanese also when I worked with uh, Tcom. So that was the company in Shinzo I worked for. When I was working in Shinzo, we also a Japanese customer. Uh, Japanese Japanese people, many people they compare Japanese with Germans because they have they say both have precision. Okay, mm -hmm. but I think uh, there's a big difference between Japanese and German is that the Japanese, they don't really know how to relax. So they do the precision. Mm -hmm. And if something doesn't work and they don't have a backup plan, uh, then they don't know how to do it. Germans, they will, okay, they will, finally, they will do a walk around. They will be more relaxed. Okay, so they still have some, some Latin, a little bit of Latin blood as well, right? Mm -hmm. So it's because they're mixed with the French, or, which are also Germanic race. But so what, what happens is uh, uh, when I was doing a modem router for a Japanese company, SoftBank, we did the first VDSL router in, in um In Japan at that time, that's more than 15 years ago, um, what, what happened then is uh, they asked me, okay, you have a firmware, and uh, if this firmware fails, how do you do? And we say, okay, we have another flash with a backup firmware. And then they ask, okay, what is the backup of the backup? What, is, what if the backup fails? So they're so detailed. They care about all these backup procedures that they really want to make sure that nothing, if everything is falling down, they need to have a backup. Mm -hmm. And I think part of the reason why, why the Fukushima accident happened is because they maybe didn't have a plan. Mm -hmm. So if Japanese don't have a plan, they want to meet first. It, it takes them days to make decisions. And uh, it's, it's very tough then to finally to, uh, to agree on something because they really want to have a procedure for every little thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, fortunately, Taiwan is not like that. So I would say Taiwan is more close to, to French or Germans in that way. That's the Chinese uh, yeah. first, I guess. <laughs> yeah. They, it's much easier to have a consensus or compromise with them than with Japanese. Mm -hmm. Japan, Japanese is quite tough. Mm. And maybe that's also why they need to drink with, <laughs> with their colleagues after work. And it goes up to a level in Japan that I heard that some people, they will get hit by their wife if they come home at 7 p.m. Because 
they will say, hey, why don't you have a drink with your boss? Don't you want to have a, you know, don't you want to be a manager one day? Okay, you need to have a drink right. with your boss. Why are you home already? To, to yeah, Japan. Yeah. That sounds good. But, but, the, but the city in Japan is also very different from the uh, more rural cities like Fukuoka or um, or Osaka. Uh, Fukuoka is a very good city for startups. Mm-hmm. We have several customers there and, and the vibe is quite different from Tokyo or, or Osaka, actually. Mm, yeah. Must be, yeah. yeah. Mm. All right. And and then, so like, uh, you're working for the, the, this... Uh, this Taiwanese company and how did you ended up starting Gendy you know like you just had the idea one day you, you, you're a developer yourself you're Correct, got yeah, this background yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's, my I understanding was, is that with Gendy you have like a strong focus on, on developers who basically of course mm-hmm. may, I guess make websites so I mean we hosting. the way the way we've been growing in Asia was always through developers mm. or referrals mainly I mean mm. referrals is always a great way to grow a business no matter what it is so if you have somebody who recommend the business to somebody else, it's a great way. And uh, most people, if you want to make a website, if you want to make a, if you want to buy a domain name, who you ask? Either you search yourself on Google, you ask Google, uh, the big brother, or, or you uh, or you ask your friend who's technical. So if you have someone in your family or your friends who's technical, of course you will ask him. And if this person is confident in Gandhi, then of course he will recommend Gandhi. So that that was always our approach that you had need to have somebody. You want to you want to be the one who's referred to, or you want to be the one that people can trust. Mm-hmm. And um, because with, if you have confidence in someone's business, um, then it's, it's it's usually an easy sale. Mm. And, and that's the thing yeah. to find this kind of tech, like tech solution, you know, no matter if it's like a hosting solution mm. or you know any software, you you know you, now you look it up online, but it's very difficult to make a choice because you've got like so many different rankings; they're all different. Actually, I think like companies are paying to be part of those rankings. I'm pretty sure like the the whole hosting and domain mm. name business is huge, and those companies are paying like big money to be on top of those rankings. Mm. So it means you cannot really trust this information you're finding online. But your so your approach is different. You're really like uh, working with developers, and that's kind of worth word of mouth, but more in a more like let's say healthy uh, way, like more you know people you can trust basically. Correct. Yeah. Mm. I mean, until until a few years ago, we didn't even do any advertisement online. We never mm. we never did any spend our our slow is no bullshit yeah, I, think, I, did, I did notice that yeah. yeah i think it still is and uh some americans don't like the slogan for them it's too vulgar okay but we 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 have been looking already for a different slogan since a long long time but it's really nothing it's very hard to find something how which does is, it translate in chinese um i don't know i don't think i don't think we have an actual translation for it you know but it's hard it's hard actually to find something which is a, which has a similar sound which is as clear as no bullshit okay because no bullshit mm. really basically means like okay uh, you're not trying to a lot of registrars or domain name registrars when they buy a domain name they will tell you okay hey you can have additional protection if you just pay $20 per year or the next year they're gonna double the price and say okay you also if you want to have an e-commerce package you pay you pay this this much extra and in the beginning maybe it looked like you pay a dollar for a domain name but you end up with a bill of $120 and you ask mm. yourself how does this happen actually so yeah. because every little uh, services costs extra mm-hmm. if you buy a domain name at Gandhi you already have two mailboxes with 3 gigabyte you don't need to use gmail you can use your own domain name so you don't need to be a rafael something something number at gmail.com but you can be um, whatever is your name at uh, your favorite domain name.com or .tw or .fr so you can really also brand yourself. It's not just for a corporation, but it's also for, and that's included with every domain name at Gandhi. Mm-hmm. So 
We, because not, lots of people are yeah. using Gmail, yeah. or at, at least like a Gmail hosting, yeah. and you might have your own, of course, your own domain name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's quite expensive because you have to buy the whole package, right? It's not only like mm. an email, but it's like the whole like. Uh, yeah. like uh, but with Gandhi, but with Gandhi, you already have mail included, so you don't okay. need to buy it. And in the end, it's yeah. much, much cheaper than what you could get with Gmail. Correct. And, yeah. and I guess yeah. not everybody is using the whole Google solution. If you or? if you want if you want your domain name with Google and mail, I think you have to pay additional fees every month for having their Google I'm, Works yeah, workspace yeah, stuff. I'm, I'm I'm paying like I don't know, like six six euros a month, or yeah, and you and your too much, and, yeah. and your price is more like fifteen. Is it fifteen euros a year? Or what's the price for you? Yeah, correct. Yeah. So okay, so that's a yeah. huge difference. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you get, I mean, it's it's just me actually. So for this yeah, podcast, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah. But if you've got like you know for a bigger company, that in the end you know it adds up. So mm. okay. And it's so it's it's an industry that is a bit. I mean, I might not call it scammy, but it's like the marketing is. I mean, it's hard to Correct. understand, yeah, and yeah. you end up paying a lot. And they're like, oh, yeah. On, on one hand, it's it's easy to set up a cheap website. It's very easy for people to make something online which is, which scams people or which is which looks cheap and uh, which is just uh, stitched together. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, it's also very hard for companies to see what is the right solution. Because you don't need to have, actually, you don't need to have your email with the same provider. You don't need to have your hosting with the same provider. Mm -hmm. But most people forget that and they just go for a fixed package with one provider. They buy everything from them. They buy the hosting from them. Um, and sometimes for the hosting, they don't even buy a solution like WordPress or a CMS, which is more open or allows your customization. But they go with those website builder solutions, which are... That you don't like, no? <laughs> yeah, I, personally, I don't like you them. You seem no. to be like a developer, like an open source guy. Correct, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's this, this closed... So, so my, yeah. my friend, who's also this kind of developer, mm -hmm. he, he likes Gandhi. I was like, yeah, Gandhi is cool. <laughs> so yeah. I guess those are your, your customers. But yeah. I'm, I, I do use like a Wix, you know, for example. Correct, yeah. Which in the end is... is pretty convenient i think wordpress is getting more and more complex actually like i, I did a, f a website mm -hmm. with wordpress a few years like wordpress i think is like the number one, number one in the world like, sure sure and uh i mean just, every yeah. every cms like that so it's a cms a content management system every cms will take you a little bit more time to get used to it i mean mm -hmm. wix will also take you some time to get used to it the biggest problem i have with wix and those uh, those website builders is not just because they're closed source but every time you want to make a little customization every time you want to change your color in the seam They tell you, oh, sorry, you only can do five colors. If you want to have six, you have to pay $20 per year. <laughs> And so for, for me, the problem is there. You know, it's every, every little thing you want, extra e-commerce, you have to upsell it. WordPress is not easy. Uh, if you want that customization, you have, you're going to have technical debt as well, which means, okay, uh, you're going to have to maintain the updates. You have to make sure about the security. You have, to, you have to do so many things. So you really need a partner if you want to make it serious with WordPress. Mm -hmm. Or you need to have some web design company uh, To work with you seriously on implementing it, mm -hmm. but on the on the long term, it's much better than using a website builder um, because you will you will really have much more flexibility. Yeah, I guess it depends what you, what you want to do. I mean, if you want to get like a decent website, mm -hmm. you know, in one hour and get it done easily, like you know, a solution like Wix is very efficient. Correct. Yeah. If you want something more complex or that you can customize, mm -hmm. of course, you should look into like WordPress yeah. or other yeah. other solutions. Yeah. And we have we have a lot of solutions that you can install actually on our hosting. So we have a thing called so Simple Hosting. Mm -hmm. So Simple Hosting is really just a basic, uh, you, you buy basic web space from us. You don't need to manage the server. Uh, you can just upload your files there um, and you can use several kinds of CMS. There's not just WordPress, there's also Joomla and uh, Laravel. So there's frameworks as well if you're a little bit more familiar with programming. Mm -hmm. And you can use our hosting to deploy those things. Mm -hmm. So we are not asking you to... Uh, To, uh, to, to use our website builder if you want to have our websites, but you can really do everything in a way that you want with Gandhi. I think that's, that's the most important thing mm -hmm. and so, at, at yeah. a reasonable price. Okay, so going back to the beginning, like 
you didn't want to be like uh, an employee anymore. You wanted to, be, I mean, like uh, just uh, an employee in a company. Mm. Like here, here you're, you're still an employee, but let's say you're the, the boss in Taiwan or even in Asia. Uh, how did you have the idea? I mean, how did how did it? Uh, I think start? Uh, I, I was I was already I was among the uh, after I joined Gandhi, I checked. I, I was uh, among the first ten thousand customers of Gandhi actually in Europe. So okay. <laughs> I was I was a customer of Gandhi since the early beginning. And uh, Gandhi has how many customers now? Uh, so around three hundred thousand. Uh, okay, all right. Yeah. From, so from 10,000 to 300, that's uh, okay. Yeah, that's, in uh, 20 years, yeah. yeah. Uh, what what happened is, um, yeah, I was I was participating in a hosting test. So at that time, hosting was new for Gandhi. I think it was in, in seven years ago. So hosting was new. They launched a new hosting product with a new data center as well. And I gave them some feedback because they asked for a beta test. And in that feedback, I, I wrote a small line in the end. was like, oh, by the way, uh, it's a bit of a pity that you're not in Asia. Because really at that time, and even now in Asia, there's no player like Gandhi or similar to Gandhi. There's nobody who's like uh, having this no bullshit approach. Everybody here is upselling something or even the most of the registrars in Taiwan or China or Asia in general, their, their websites are crappy. Uh, it's very hard to, to even to pay something sometimes because they ask you to, uh, to use different websites for buying different domain name extensions. So mm -hmm. that's kind of weird. And the DNS is the same. So it's very hard to, to find a good registrar here. So that, that's why I told them it's a pity that, that, that you're not in Asia. Mm -hmm. And after, after that, uh, I got a reply from Stefan Ramois, our CEO, still our CEO. And he, uh, he said basically, okay, uh, we never have someone with confidence or we don't really know um, how can we do, so maybe we can talk about it. Mm -hmm. And just a couple of months later, I, I was in Brussels uh, at the European Commission at that time to meet, with the, to meet about some tech issues as well. And I took the train from there to Luxembourg, where Stefan is living. And uh, after lunch, we basically decided that we're going to start Asia. Yeah. So, right. but, so I can I can really recommend anyone if they if they see a brand in in Europe that they love, and maybe they already have a little bit of international experience. So, so Gandhi at that time they were already in the US, um, and you see that, and you see they want to be in Asia probably. So, just reach out to those people, tell them you love their brand, tell them you love what they're doing, and tell them, okay, I'm I'm gonna help you to do it in Asia. So if you mm -hmm. already have some experience doing things in Asia, even Taiwan or Singapore, whatever. Uh, just tell them you want to try it and maybe they give you a chance, uh, a little budget. Maybe what we did is we hired two people in the beginning for customer support mm -hmm. and they're still working right now in this office. And they basically helped to translate the website at that time. They helped to uh, uh, implement the local currencies and stuff like that. And then we just launched in Asia. Did you have a plan? I mean... Yeah, we had, we had a plan, but it was not... To launch it, in Asia, but then yeah, you have to... Yeah, I yeah. mean, from a technical point of view, is there any issue? I mean, any challenge? Um, and what about like finding customers? What, what was the plan at first? Of, you know? of course, there's a lot of local local market regulations which you need to take care about, right? Mm -hmm. Not not so much for the markets which are outside Taiwan. So, But even then, you still have to think about, for example, in China, we added Alipay. So we had to find a payment service provider which can support Alipay. Mm-hmm. Alipay or, you know, I don't know, the China Union Pay credit card as well. For example, in the beginning, we added China Union Pay. And after we added China Union Pay, 100% of the Chinese customer used China Union Pay. Mm. Before, everybody was happily using credit cards. But once we added China Union Pay, everybody used China Union Pay, 100%. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then after we added Alipay, which is like a wallet, similar to WeChat Pay, mm -hmm. Um, but it's number everybody, one online. Everybody's, no, everybody's paying by Alipay. Nobody's paying with China Union Pay anymore. Really? So, okay. Yeah, okay. So Alipay, I think, I think Alipay is a standard online. Correct. Like, WeChat yeah. Pay is really big like for your everyday uh, purchase. I think Alipay, Alipay is very important to have if, you have if you have customers in China. Okay. And in Taiwan, most people pay by credit card or bank transfer. 
And uh, I think it's important in Taiwan to have ATM transfer to support people to pay by ATM. The only problem in Taiwan is that uh, payment service providers who help you to implement credit cards or ATMs, they are, they are not really focused on uh, B2B customers. So mm -hmm. they will mostly have a, the checkout interface will be like retail. They will put advertisements from other company at the checkout process. So it's not, not really pretty in Taiwan for that. Mm -hmm. But you can use an external international provider like we use uh, Ingenico which is uh, now they think they're part of Worldline, is one of the biggest company in the world for collecting payments. Mm, sure. Uh, and you can... A, you lot, can, a lot of the credit card terminals as they are in, in, yeah, in correct. Geneva, right? Uh, mm. and, and you can use those and uh, you don't need to rely on a Taiwan third-party payment provider mm -hmm. if you set up a payment online payment system here. Okay. Uh, and basically what you're selling here, I mean, did you, did you need, I mean, did you need at first to get like hosting in Taiwan or in Asia? Um, or actually that was just like a local office yeah. and you could basically keep selling what the French company, you know, was doing mm. from, from HQ, you know? Um, our, our goal was always to be as local as possible. Mm -hmm. So be a local company, be a local company was one of the uh, paradigm we had. And we said, okay, you must uh, support a local currency. In Taiwan, you also must support this uh, special thing called Fapiao, right? So you must give the customer uh, like an a, invoice. VA, a VAT receipt. Yeah, mm -hmm. People always call it invoice, but it's actually a VAT receipt, you know, so mm -hmm. an invoice is something else. But um, uh, so what, what we do is, okay, the tax receipt. And th these things have to be given out right away. And But it's, it's a bit hard to explain to people in Europe why this kind of thing is important for Taiwanese. And that was challenging, getting uh, the, the, the whole yeah, Fapiao thing. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we had to find, at that time, we had to find a turnkey provider which can do it. But I'm lucky because at, at the time that we started that, there was already electronic providers for this. So before that, just before 2000, uh, I think 2010, around 2010, uh, at that time was the time when Taiwan started to have electronic invoices or electronic mm -hmm. VAT receipts. Yep. Before that, you had to write them by hand. Mm -hmm. Well, I can't imagine myself writing a receipt for every uh, customer. I mean, companies still do it actually, and they spend a lot of time doing it and sending it by mail. But uh, we are not that kind of company. We are not a we are not a restaurant. We are not a we are not a physical store. So for sure. us, so for us, everything which is physical is actually to be avoided, right? Paper process has to be avoided. <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. So and I, I never I've never written a Fabio myself. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And so what about like finding your customers? I think you did mention that you're you know you're not you're not doing any advertisement. So mm -hmm. did you have to just knock on doors, do some um, networking? Yeah, what, we, what, did we, what we did, what we did first. And who is, was your first customer? Do you remember the first one you got in Asia? The first customer? I don't know. I mean, we already had customers in Asia. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. But, but after yeah. <laughs> you so, open your office and, you know, on day one, did you get a customer? Or? No, no. I don't remember my, my, my first really big or the, customer. Or, the, or big, yeah, maybe that would be like a big customer that kind yeah. of changed, you know, your owner. I think one yeah, one of our big customers, a good win was KKBox. KKBox is a music streaming software. Mm -hmm. They um, they are, they actually existed before Spotify even. And I even think their app is better than Spotify. Mm. And they do the same thing as Spotify. But um, yeah, this, this was a big win for us, that customer. Mm. Because also a big brand. They have several brands. They have KKStream, KKBox, KKTV now. Mm -hmm. um, they were a big win for us because they're also very tech-focused. They're also a company which is, has a lot of tech people inside. And we actually met them through a developer conference. So uh, companies like them, they really work hard that they really do everything technically correct and, and secure. And so they were very compatible with us mm. because they saw, okay, we have a corporate solution for them. We can manage all their domain names. We can manage all their brands. We can increase their protection. We can increase their uh, DNS uptime. So DNS uptime means like, okay, we can make sure that their domain names can always be uh, found or resolved no matter where the customer is located. 
in a very fast manner. And so that, that was a big win for us, that customer. We found, mm. them, we found them through the developer conference. Okay, you, yeah. so you, you're, you're doing a lot of those conferences. Yeah, like correct, there are yeah. a few videos on YouTube yeah. that you know, people yeah. can check out. Yeah. We spent a lot of, It's in the beginning, we spent a lot of money on marketing uh, or sponsoring those conferences. So mm. there's a Debian, Debian conference. Debian is an open source uh, Linux distribution. Mm -hmm. So we supported DebConf, which happened in Taiwan as well in 2018. We supported PyCon. PyCon is the Python conference for developers mm. in Japan, Taiwan, Singapore. Uh, then we support other internet initiatives as well. Like we have conferences together with TWNIC, which is the .tw registry, uh, APNIC, which is responsible for IP attribution in uh, in Asia. And uh, yeah, so we have, we have several conferences where we where we always participated, also as speakers, and gave our point mm. of view uh, how how the internet should work or what people should take care about when they register mm -hmm. their domain names. Mm -hmm. And I think we have helped a lot of people actually to to better manage their domain name portfolio, to understand the issues they might have, and avoid them headaches as well in case there are phishing issues or spams or scams. Because it's very it's very easy uh, to lose your domain name if you if you click the wrong thing or if you give if if your computer gets hacked. Right. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So those like uh, on the videos, you know, you can see those are like very nerdy uh, conferences. Sure. Uh, 99% guys, yeah. you know, yeah. like Asian guys wearing glasses. Yeah. yeah. But I guess <laughs> your like no bullshit approach is perfect. I mean, this is, you know, yeah. the, the, yeah. your customers basically. So yeah. Yeah. And that's, that, that must be pretty efficient because I guess are you still doing it sponsoring but in the way i guess it's not that expensive and you're really reaching your your, your you know your customers so yeah, yeah. We, st we still do we still do not not as big as before mm -hmm. uh, we do a lot we host a lot of events in our office as well for communities mm -hmm. so if they if they want to talk about wordpress talk about uh, some marketing approaches even for online we can we can host them in our office and mm. uh, we have space for 40 people here in taipei yep. so we, we do the local events as well mm. and we do webinars as well to talk about dns to talk about uh, basic things you need to know about registering a domain name mm. all in chinese um But uh, yeah, in, in recent years, uh, we've also expanded that to Japan and Singapore. Singapore, one of the big conferences is FOSS Asia. So it's a little bit like the major open source conference that you have in Taiwan every year. In Taiwan, we have COSCAP. COSCAP is around 200, uh, no, sorry, 2,000 people every time. And they're also uh, talking about uh, hacking and not just about open source or websites, but they talk about hacking, they talk about uh, open government, they talk about all these things which are important for like having a trans transparent software and open source software as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, talk about Singapore, because you're you're based in Taiwan, but mm -hmm. actually Singapore, or maybe Hong Kong might have been the, the obvious choice, you know, like to, uh, yeah. to settle in Asia. Yeah. So I mean, why Hong Taiwan and, and what's your feedback after, you know, those years you know, uh, doing business here? I think Singapore, doing business in Singapore is also quite easy. Mm. Um, I, I have some experience with Singapore customers as well, and also some Singapore companies, how they, how they set up their business there. I think the biggest problem in Singapore is that you don't always have a choice to do something. You know, there's only three big banks in Singapore. You have to, you have to, you must work with one of them. Mm -hmm. In Taiwan, there's more than um, I think 20 banks here, local Maybe banks. Too many yeah. banks. Too It's many amazing banks. The yeah. number of banks are in Taiwan. And and uh, but uh, yeah, I think also with the. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not sure everybody would, would agree, you know, mm. because I've heard like you know the feedback of entrepreneurs about like banks in in Taiwan. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, it's not easy. Uh, what I'm saying is not. Singapore, it might be. You might have less choice, no. but I'm not sure. Yeah, but I don't know what I'm, I'm not talking about. But they're not. Like, but the banks in Japan, Singapore, and Japan as well, they are not good. Mm. I can say they are not good. All right. And uh, they're actually very hard. Uh, They, they try to improve actually so some of the banks are now improving they have more online services mm -hmm. many of them also have bilingual services now I think the language barriers might, might be one issue 
but the, the biggest issue in Singapore is for the banks is actually that they that they, they, they will ask you some special things just for compliance and they will give you a hard time actually doing business with them because they want to give you documents, they want you to open every transaction you're making. So they're very they're very vigilant about what you're doing. Mm. So mm. Singapore, Singapore banks are a little bit, uh, uh, I don't know, ear-picking. So they, they, they are very uh, hair-splitting, let's say hair-splitting, yeah. So they are very, they can be very tedious or they can be very annoying about asking the things you're doing. Just, mm. But Singapore itself is very procedural, right? So the, I think the biggest advantage of Singapore is that they speak English. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. even like even better English than Hong Kong and sure, you know, sure. like yeah, Taiwan. Yeah. Taiwan, Taiwan. Taiwan has to Taiwan has to catch up on the English. Still, yeah. the government keeps saying that you know English will be like a Bilingual like an official. Nation, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, but no, it's still it's still a long way. Yeah, I, guess, yeah. I guess your Chinese must be pretty good. I mean, like uh, it's it's all right. Yeah, it's yeah. not it's not too good, but not too bad. Either. No, not as good as your French yet. <laughs> no, yeah, my French, my French, I think is perfect. Yeah. You might you might yeah. be the most uh, French or German in in Taiwan. So that's that's, that's, that's very possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I didn't learn French in school, so I learned I learned French actually on the street. So oh, okay, I, street I, French. Yeah, <laughs> even better. Because French French people they like to talk a lot, so uh, mm. it's, it's quite. I do, easy. I do agree. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, that's why I'm doing a podcast. You know, just give them a microphone and sure, sure, sure. But you're, yeah. yeah, as I say, you're yeah. very French German, so it's quite easy with you. Possible, yeah. For, and, for, and what about like yeah. talking about this? You know, you're a German guy. You know, like working for this French company. So we've been talking about like you know like the the the, the cultural difference with Taiwanese. Mm. But what's your feedback about working with a French company? And uh, give us a new bullshit answer, obviously. <laughs> I think it's, it's I think it's all right. I mean, it, it's not actually that much different from working with Germans or with working with other Europeans. Mm. I think uh, what what Europeans want more than Taiwanese is they want to be part of the solution. They want to be part of the discussion. They don't want to be left out. Mm. I think Taiwanese are much more. Um, uh, they don't want to be involved. They don't want to be uh, the ones who make decisions. They don't want to be the ones who's later on getting blamed for making your decisions. I think Europeans are more willing to take risks but they also want to be more engaged in decisions. Mm -hmm. And because of that, maybe if you have a meeting with uh, with French people, it will take longer time than having a meeting with Taiwanese people. Because mm -hmm. they, are, they, are, they, want be, they want to talk more about the issues, they want to understand more in detail before they finally make a decision. Mm. Yeah. And I've, I've been told Germans are more, you know, go more like straight to the point, you know? So maybe less talks on French, you would say. Depends. Like, I think yeah. it depends. I think it depends. depends I think yeah. even even in France, maybe you have both types. You yeah. have both types. You have more the more Germanic kind of type, and you have more the French mm. kind of type. Knowing As, that, and, and I think at Gandhi we have both. Uh, yeah, and actually, yeah, go, go, going back to uh, the, the business, you know, of like doing business like in Asia, based based from Taiwan. So you 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 did explain us, you know, what your point of view about Singapore. I guess it's also like you know like cheaper to run operations here in, in Taiwan, like. For example, salaries must be significantly uh, uh, lower than, you know, like in Singapore or in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. uh, you can cover the whole continent. You're kind of in the middle in between Japan, Singapore, China. So is it from, you know, does it matter for you like this? Um, it matters. I think having a local office in every country is always preferred mm. if, if you can. Um, but our, our problem from Taiwan is actually Taiwan is extremely centric in Asia. It's four hours Maximum four hours from here to Tokyo, to Singapore, to Hong Kong is even less than four hours. Um, even even Thailand, Bangkok. So we can we can really cover the whole region, even if we must meet a customer or go to conferences. Mm -hmm. um, so in terms of cost, it's probably more less expensive to spend that money on travel instead of going to the customer locally. Yep. But it creates a problem for some bigger customers, might be who require you to have a local office, who want to pay to a local bank uh, in 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 Japan or Singapore. Um, but Singapore is open enough that you can open a bank account there without being present. Mm -hmm. So so that's not a problem there. But in Japan, you cannot. 
or haven't found that solution yet. But uh, so it's mostly about payment. Uh, currency is not an issue. Payment methods is not an issue. Mm -hmm. um, customer support is not an issue because we have very good experience with providing French customer care support from Taiwan even. Uh, half of the people here can speak French in the office. Do you mean you're even helping French customers in France from Taiwan? Yeah, correct. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so the, we have really 24-hour support in French. Uh, okay. So we have people who speak French in San Francisco as well. Yeah. And uh, so we can do around-the-clock support for customers in, in every language that they need. Okay. And right. uh, for the Japanese market, we have two people who can speak Japanese as well. And um, I, I don't really think we would have a big advantage from being locally in Japan. Mm -hmm. uh, really not How, how's your business in Japan and all over the region in other words basically the percentage of your you know your business uh. mm, yeah in most most of our customers in China and Taiwan together mm. for sure and then then Japan but I think Japan is also because Japan is a big country it's more than I think 250 260 million people living yeah, here yeah it's like six times Taiwan yeah uh, it's a big country And uh, and uh, countries which are less important, but they still have higher populations, like Indonesia and Philippines. Those countries have a high population as well, but they um, you don't really uh, you don't really see them that much because I think they don't spend that much on domain names. They don't spend that much mm -hmm. on internet. I know that Indonesia and Philippines they still use a lot by phone. They sell a lot by phone. They still use the phone to to do most of the transaction. Mm -hmm. And in China, is there any limitation? You know, like I mean, when it comes to China and oh, the internet yeah, sure, and sure. the firewall, you know, like actually China, China, we have been accredited also for .cn, so you can buy .cn domain names from us the, for China .cn, mm -hmm. and we are directly accredited with CNIC or the China Network Information Center to sell those domain names. Uh, if you want to buy those domain names, you need to provide your ID. So we will we will do that. We will check your ID. We upload the documents to this registry, and they will do it. Uh, almost no other registry in the world is doing this kind of real name verification process. Mm -hmm. And um, so the the other thing is also China. If you want to host a website in China, you need to apply for this uh, license to host a website with the Ministry of Interior there. And uh, so we can't provide that kind of license either because we're not in China. Mm -hmm. But our hosting is, we don't have any hosting in China either. So you, even Chinese customer, they can host their website with us uh, outside of China. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but normally that's in theory not even okay with Chinese law now because in 2018 they also changed the law and say, if you're Chinese, you must have the domain name with a Chinese registrar. So, so this whole like a cyber security law. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. So they used to be actually more open. Until 2018, they used to be more open. Mm. But in recent years, China has really uh, stepped up more on under the pretext of cyber security that they don't allow Chinese citizens to do things abroad anymore. Mm. And uh, so because I think they want to keep the money in China. And um, for us, it had, it had impact on sales for us, for sure. But on the other hand, there are some things that those companies in China, the registrars in China, so the competitors of Ghani in, in China, mm -hmm. they cannot offer the same things. So they cannot offer the same domain name extensions. They can't offer all the services we do. So the Chinese customers, they're in a dilemma. And what they do usually is they either set up a company in Hong Kong or they buy it through a third-party company in, a, in another country like Cayman Islands or whatever. And uh, so the, the Chinese customers themselves are in a bit of a dilemma because of those rules in China. Mm -hmm. And I hope that China eventually becomes more relaxed, but right now it doesn't look like it at all. Yeah, that's mm. not the, the direction yeah. where it's going, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So, so China, China has always been a tricky market, mm. but I think we would never set up an office there, actually. It's too, mm. it's too complicated. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I guess, you know, like being in Taiwan... 
Life is pretty easy in Taiwan. You don't feel like going back to China sometimes. No, yeah, I wouldn't actually compare the two. I, I mean, many people compare the two, but there's actually, there's actually no reason to compare the two. Mm. And uh, we could probably for sure have an office in China, a good running office with no problems at all, and at the same time also have a Taiwanese office. Mm. Taiwanese already do that since more than 50 years, actually, that Foxconn, for example, the big producer for iPhones, they produce stuff in China, they produce stuff in, in Taiwan without problem. And... I think Chinese, Chinese companies, uh, Taiwan companies, they employ around 30 million people in China. Mm. So 30 million people in China have their job because of Taiwanese companies. Yeah, and the electronics, it's it's yeah. pretty big yeah, for sure. Yeah. And the whole, the whole. Uh, yeah, actually, the contribution of like, you know, like like China becoming mm. like you know like a world power, like uh, the sure. contribution of Taiwan is is actually pretty big. Like you know, like yeah. uh, like pretty big investment. Yeah. What what, this, what disturbs me a little bit is like Joe Biden, for example, saying that. Uh, Uh, China wants to be a world power and he has no problem with that. You know, for me, that's a problem, you know, mm. so um, China has to has to be open-minded as well. Uh, there was this thing called document number nine, okay, where they, I don't mm. know if you remember that. I don't yeah. want to talk about politics, but they basically said, okay, uh, democracy is bad and how what kind of Western values they want to avoid in the future. Mm -hmm. So, and then you also have to sing with the Uyghurs, you have to sing which happened in Hong Kong. So if Gandhi is an ethical domain and registrar, we can't close our eyes to that, and we are not. So, uh, and because of that for us, it's, can't, you can't even think right now or even earlier uh, within the last two years to open an office in China because China is not making themselves attractive. Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. problem is not us. The problem is not us uh, trying, trying to sell something or trying to sell us, you know, but uh, the problem is really China itself. Yeah. How, how they how they, how open they are with market yeah, access, I mean, how yeah. open they are with mm. uh, I mean, when you things. you know here everything that is going on in China, even like Xinjiang, you know, we're talking more and more about this, like mm -hmm. the Uyghur people uh, having operations in China for for companies or even for entrepreneurs now. Mm -hmm. That's you know you need to think about this. You know yeah, that's yeah, uh, yeah. you know what China is yeah. doing and what's going to happen in the yeah. next coming years. It's, I mean, uh, I have I have a lot of friends in China and I have a lot of people I know in China, but mm -hmm. uh, and but they're really they're really in the dilemma now that uh, okay. They, I, I don't understand why they have to be this way. You know, they can also take a more uh, pragmatic approach and be more open-minded. Mm -hmm. But yeah, unfortunately, it's not the case. Mm, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So going back to the the domain names, you know, that's that's what you do basically at Gandhi. Uh, like we all know that you know there was an opportunity to to make money with domain names. Like was it like 20, 30 years ago at mm -hmm. the beginning of internet? You know, if you you could buy like pizza.com and Correct, <laughs> it would yeah. be worth quite a bit of money. <laughs> yeah. you know, like, uh, there was now. there was a, there was a .com boom. Yeah, was, and but it was a bubble. Okay, so that it, was a bubble. Okay, uh, yeah. So it pretty much disappeared very quickly. I mm. think it only took like two or three years. And um, I think that yeah, I, I don't remember much personally from the ex from that from that time because I wasn't really invested in domain names at that time. Mm. So I, I can't say much about that period myself. I just know that at that to, at that time in Germany, .de the domain name exploded like they they tripled every year the the amount of domain names which were registered. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also at that time because domain names were extremely sold extremely cheap mm -hmm. uh, by a couple of providers. Yeah. And uh, it's still pretty cheap. No, it depends. Like the price. Yeah. I mean, you, you it looks, can get it looks, like domain chips yeah. for like one, one euro or whatever, yeah. and, and some are more expensive. Like it, it uh, looks like it, but actually, as I said, then afterwards they have this upselling thing, yeah. or they make it hard for you to move them out. Yeah. I mean, from from our end, if we always sold domain name extremely cheap, what we actually notice is that the amount of scams is also increasing. Mm -hmm. So it's it's not actually in the interest of a registrar to sell a domain name extremely cheap, mm -hmm. and also the the value of some domain name extensions. Maybe maybe you know some domain name extensions which are which are maybe popular new new extensions, but maybe you, have, you know them more because you have seen so many spam emails from them. 
Could be, so yeah. uh, it's, be it's better it's better not to buy those cheap domain name extensions but you can pick a domain name extension for your business which is which is reliable or trustworthy mm -hmm. like for example dot club dot club has been around since uh, i think now it's five five to six years so that was my next question mm -hmm. you know so we had like the dot com and you know like the mm -hmm. like but now you have like new domain names or extensions coming up yeah yeah And, you know, how do you see this? I mean, is this like an opportunity also maybe like some you know, of the new domain names are going to be, become hot? It, 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 and how does it work? They, are, they are already hot. Yeah. And uh, I think .news, for example, is famous because Apple had Apple.news or yeah. there's a few customers even in Taiwan who bought their .bank with us. So mm -hmm. you can have a .bank domain name. And the problem is for brands or for customers to understand what are the rules about these extensions because some of them have special rules. Mm -hmm. For example, .club is open for everybody. Uh, they have some domain names which are also more expensive. They call them premium domain names. So yep. they're more expensive not because of us, but because the registry, the people who operate uh, the extension. Who, who's want, in control of this, actually? Is this an association? It's the registries. It's registries. And yeah. it's international? It belongs to one country? Or? No, it belongs to, that belongs usually to companies, so not, not countries. Yeah. But, for example, .paris is managed by the same entity, which is also managing .fr. For okay. France. All right. Uh, .taipei is managed by the Taipei city government. Okay. Uh, .tw is managed by TWNIC, which mm -hmm. is an association which is now, I think, reporting to the NCC or MOTC in Taiwan. But uh, um, so each, each country has their own rules. Each country has their own um, associations or companies who run those extensions. Mm -hmm. And for customers, it's very hard to understand this. And, and that's why Gandhi exists. So that's why our corporate service also exists. Uh, because we give these companies uh, a way to understand all these rules. So you have to understand for .club, the domain name can be expensive the first year because they have premium names, but the renewal price is always at the normal rate. Mm, okay. other, other extensions, they will always ask to pay the premium price. They never lower the price. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you pay $2,000 for buying a very uh, short uh, brand name, with a, I think maybe, for example, .design, Uh, the next year you will also have to pay that amount. Mm, okay. Same same with .app. .app is from from Google registry. So .app is popular. You can have a two 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 digit or one digit extension. Some like for example, I don't know, q.app or 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 a.app uh, and that would cost you like 10,000 US dollar a year. And every year you will have to pay 10,000 US dollar. Mm, okay. But if it was a.club for example, you would pay probably 10,000 US dollar the first year and the next year would just be 12 US dollar. Wow, okay. Yeah. And you think like for a company, like should, should companies stick to .coms or like any domain name is all right? I think Even it's always... Ones. Some, it's always sometimes it's like, always, are there like technical issues if it's more than three letters? Sometimes like some systems don't recognize them or no? Uh, I think there's branding aspects. Yeah. There's security aspects. Mm -hmm. So for branding aspects, for example, now .beauty is launched. Uh, If you have a beauty, if you if you if you have a if you have a shop or if you are if you are a business which is related to the beauty industry, probably you want to register your brand name dot beauty, mm -hmm. and dot um, beauty has no restrictions, so they're open for everybody. Um, if if there's another extension which is more restrictive, maybe you don't need to register it. For example, dot law, uh, for legal like law, mm. uh, you don't you don't you should you don't need to register it if you have a brand name because this extension can only be registered by accredited lawyers. So they have specific conditions for each domain name. Uh, the pricing is different. So, but we, we always provide free advice. So if you send us an email, you just use help.gandhi.net mm -hmm. and you write us an email, hey, I want to have a naming strategy advice. We get back to you free of charge and give you a little bit of strategy, which names you should buy, 
Which so if you have a block. company, it might be a good idea to look into your industry yeah. and find out if there's a new like domain extension like .dot or .dot beauty yeah. and just get it because it's a, might be a yeah. might be a small but investment now, and yeah. but it might really matter if you're right now. Yeah, but there's over there's over 800 extensions. Oh, okay, all right. So, so they might they might want to ask an expert, and that's yeah, where, correct. That's yeah. where and, and and it keeps changing. So some 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 registries that change rules, other ones that get taken over by other ones. So there's consolidation in the market as well. Mm -hmm. There's also protection mechanisms you can have. So it's usually the best uh, to ask to ask an expert about it. Mm, okay. And so what about protection? I mean, I did also meet your colleague here. You've mm -hmm. got a French employee who's I don't know if she's a lawyer or mm -hmm. she's like uh, doing legal advice. Yeah. What kind of protection do you offer? And you know what. Uh, we have we have a brand monitoring service. So if someone else registered your domain name, you can you can find out right away, or we tell you who registered those things, mm -hmm. which is important for 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 institutions like financial institutions to find out if someone is uh, set up a website for phishing, yep. or even for brands. You you might register something like uh, uh, I don't know Microsoft Windows dot xyz, and then somebody uses that website to to get people to enter their credit card data to get a cheaper Microsoft license or whatever. Mm. So uh, it's very important for those brands to know when people get, get those stuff registered so they can immediately take action to take those companies down. Mm. Because no matter what, it will always look bad on their brand if somebody else is using their brand for phishing. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm. Okay, no, that's that's super interesting. We're, we're getting close to the end. So, you know, like uh, I, I like to... Uh, To end episodes with a couple of questions, uh, quite often about like business development mm -hmm. because that's a big challenge in uh, in Asia as, as a foreigner, you know, to do business development. But I, I guess we've already covered this, and you had like a very interesting experience with all the, those conferences and stuff. Uh, I'll ask, I, I like also to understand how you manage like HR, you know, like uh, hiring the right people and keeping you know those talents mm -hmm. is a challenge. Do you have any any tip you could share? Uh, I think we're very procedural about hiring. So hiring. Mm -hmm. So what we do oh, is now, uh, now you're being German, <laughs> probably yeah. But but this is also because the most of the people who we hire are in customer care, mm. and and for customer care we always take care about the quality. So we have a test here, which people have to applicant test, which people have to do. Uh, and during the interview, if we are not sure about some of the answers, if we're not sure how they're writing responses to potential customers, we we would ask them to make another test and write a response again. Um, and but also that's that's with the quality process itself. So every every employee is here who's doing support from time to time. They will have to pass a quality assurance test just to make sure they still understand all the all the terms and all the all the business that we have. Mm -hmm. So um, so for for a customer care representative, for example, you would you would not just look for the correct answer. So the correct answer is one thing, okay. But you also want to make sure that they provide some extra touch to the customer. So maybe twenty percent is the correct answer. 20% is extra touch and maybe you have uh, another 20% is like uh, um, anticipation as well. So you want to see, okay, maybe this guy forgot his password, but in the same time you see his domain name is already expiring today. So maybe you want to give him a hand and renew it already and say, hey, we renewed your domain name, just pay us later and, and when you got your password recovered. Mm -hmm. So this is like anticipation, maybe another 20%. And uh, yeah, it's, it's about style. It's about yeah. so it's, it takes testing and just verification mm -hmm. and validation what people actually do. Okay. And what, what about like languages? Like I, I did notice that most of your staff sp speaks French. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. which you know, you being German, you know, I, I was a bit surprised. Like you know, like compared yeah. to like <laughs> like more French companies in Taiwan, like yeah. you're, you're, you're you know, everybody we don't, have, we, don't have, we don't have a German website yet, and I'm and what, I'm not sure I would hire Germans in Taiwan or German speaking Taiwanese in 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 in. in in, in Taipei, yeah. but I think it's actually easier. It's easier to hire French people who's, or Taiwanese who speak French people, 
uh, because I think fr French, even if most people in France don't speak English or don't speak well English, uh, it's much easier to find people with an open mind if they if they speak French actually compared okay. to German or English. And it makes uh. because but for you it did matter not to hire Taiwanese that could speak English. Like uh, having like a third language was also yeah, important. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it helps yeah. like working with HQ. Even with your French customers, yeah, so yeah. That's, very, uh, it's very, it's very important. Yeah, very okay, important. Yeah. Okay, okay. Not just not just for the customers, but also internally for the team. Mm -hmm. It's important that they can speak French, and uh, um, but we we can do without. But I think for actually for me personally, I think it's a, it's a big but, factor but what's, to be able to. Speak what's French. the official language in your office here? Uh, I think mostly mostly we use Chinese and English. Okay, yeah. all right. So still, still yeah. Because yeah. uh, in the end, you need like a common language. I mean, a, sure, a meeting, sure, sure. if there's yeah. one person yeah. that doesn't speak yeah. French, you know, that's that. Uh, yeah. we, have, we, have we have two people who are also familiar with Japanese, yep. but um, they never use it in, in, in communication in the office, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, okay, cool. <laughs> so the, the last question that I usually ask is, you know, do you have a tip to share to hack? It can be Asia or Taiwan? Um, well, I think, I think people, if, if they work in Taiwan, if they're developers... Uh, what what they can do is they can get more involved with the local developer community. I think mm -hmm. these people these people need more uh, need more education. I mean, share, share your knowledge. I think that's the most important thing. So if you, if you know some other developers in Taiwan, if you know some people working in companies, uh, don't just keep the knowledge for yourself. Be open source. Be open source. Yeah, mm. or, or try to try to share as much as you can about your uh, activities, your business, and uh, and talk talk to people about it because you will see that you get a lot of feedback. And if you have a lot of feedback, it will also help you to improve your own service and your own products. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you, and that's also like it's a good way of doing marketing, basically. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's uh, okay. Yeah. That makes complete sense. Uh, thanks very much, Thomas. Uh, how to get in touch with you? What's you know on the social media, LinkedIn, which? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and anyway, anyway, it works for me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you can find Tom, me on LinkedIn. Thomas yeah. and your your family name is Cooper. Yeah. Cooper. K U yeah, K U I P E R. Okay. All right. Uh, so Gendy Gendy.com right your website uh, .net yeah. .net oh sorry <laughs> wow, that's a huge mistake but that's that's a good conclusion know, right uh, <laughs> I'm not even sure I got the domain name I'm, I'm not even sure why we picked .net but I think .net is actually also an, an undervalued extension just yeah. like .org there's .org and .net just to prove you yeah. know you don't really need .com like .net is, is, is correct is yeah, good yeah, yeah. <laughs> alright thank you thanks bye. a lot bye bye